welcome to the Kick Sugar Coach podcast. Join me each week as I interview experts who will share the science of sugar, sugar addiction, and different approaches to recovery. We hope to empower you with the information and inspiration, insights, and strategies you need to break up with sugar and fall in love with healthy whole foods so you can prevent and reverse chronic disease, lose weight, boost your mood, and energy. Feel free to go to my website for details on my coaching programs and to access free resources, kicksugarcoach.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome uh, back to the podcast. Today, I have with me Dr. Lauren Weiss. Is it Weiss or Weiss? It's Weiss. Weiss, who has a PhD in nutrition science. And for years and years and years, actually, she went through her undergrad and her doc- doctoral and postdoc and was studying nut- the power of nutrition. And then about three years ago, after people asking her for more information about how to make this practical, how do, how do I lose weight? How do I reverse metabolic syndrome? How do I you know, reverse my insulin resistance? She decided to take all this amazing amount of research and science and, and expertise that she has and put it into practical practical application for people. Um, She is a behavioral nutrition specialist. Her area of expertise is low carbon keto. And she's been following that for 20 years, long Mm -hmm. before it was cool. Um, She has a practice out of San Diego and has published numerous scientific research articles in journals such as the American Journal of Nutrition, Journal of Bone and Mineral Research, and the American Journal of Medical Genetics, and on and on and on. Welcome, Dr. Weiss. Thank you for having me. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how you became interested in nutrition and, and how this passion has carried you through literally decades of your life? Right. So I started out as a little bit of an overweight teenager and always wondered why I was a little chunkier than all of my friends. So nutrition really, I, I've been interested in nutrition for a very, very long time. Um, and I went abroad in college and studied nutrition in third world countries. And really at that time it was more about malnutrition. But when I really came back and thought about what am I interested in terms of nutrition, it was really about overnutrition, which is what America and a lot of other countries now experience. So when I came back from that experience, I looked to see how, where should I go? Where should I go study nutrition? And I ended up at Tufts University which at that time was a a world-renowned nutrition school. And that's really where I started. And and a lot of the education there was biochemistry-based, nutritional biochemistry. And as soon as I learned about insulin and understood the role that insulin played, I really went low-carb at that time. At that time, it was really a low glycemic diet because there really wasn't anything low carb that existed really at that time and have evolved in terms of, of how I eat low carb and my low carb regimens. About three years ago, I started, I went to keto and I have been keto since and I, and now I live a, what I call a ketogenic lifestyle, not a super, super strict ketogenic lifestyle. Um, maybe more keto paleo at times, depending on you know, where, where I am and, and how I'm experimenting with myself. But it's always an experimentation and to see, you know, how your body reacts to different types of eating, but always low carb um, will be how I eat for the rest of my life. 
And what about what you learned that take us back to that moment when you're first in a biochemistry class and you're learning about the role of insulin, what did you learn that just turned a light bulb in your head? For some reason, it just really resonated with, with my life. And I was a triathlete at the time I was working out five or six hours a day and still couldn't really figure out why I was 135 pounds at that time. And I thought, oh gosh, I'm exercising. You know, I should be lean, but I would finish a swimming session with a huge Jamba juice and a bagel. And it just really started to make sense to me that for me, that wasn't working for my body. So as soon as I started experimenting with myself, I mean, I leaned down incredibly once I started realizing what these carbohydrates were doing to my body. So it really was a personal journey that where I found out you know, that my body really wasn't processing the carbs. And I was probably at that time, even in my, in my teens and in my twenties, I, I was insulin resistant very early on. Mm. And tell us about insulin. What is insulin and why, why do we need to be mindful of that? So insulin really is a hormone secreted from our pancreas. And it really is the, the easiest way to put it. It is a fat building hormone. If your insulin levels are high, which increase in response mainly to, in, to, taking car, to eating carbohydrates. So insulin's role is to take the glucose that we get from carbohydrates and, and help it get into our cells to produce energy. So insulin is going to increase a lot when we eat carbohydrates, moderately when we eat protein, and really that we don't see any type of significant increase when we eat fats. So insulin's job is to get the glucose into our cells to then be converted to energy inside of our cells. When insulin is high, we are in a fat building state. So when insulin is high, fat cannot be used for energy. Fat cannot be broken down for the cells. When insulin is low, our fat cells are actually able to open up and release the fat that's inside of them. So really the goal of low carb is to keep our insulin levels as low as possible throughout the day. So our own body fat is contributing to some of that energy. Got it. And what's the, what's, what's other than gaining weight? Is there any other downside to having elevated insulin levels? So a lot, so elevated insulin levels for a long-term will lead to something called insulin resistance. And how I like to describe insulin resistance is your body becomes desensitized to this hormone. So it has a very hard time binding to those receptors on the cells. Therefore, the, the glucose or the sugar stays elevated in the blood, and it can start leading to a lot of almost every chronic disease known to man is rooted in insulin resistance. So high levels of insulin all day long, I always tell my clients, the message to eat five or six or seven small meals a day, which is the message that we have been told for years and years. Imagine the insulin that is required every time you eat. So all day long, your insulin is high. Your pancreas has to spit out that insulin. It's high. It drops. And then you're hungry again. And then you eat again. So all day long, your body is flooded with insulin. That is not how our genes were developed. That is not how our ancestors ate. They did not have access to sugar and processed foods all day long. And eventually, which could be genetically predetermined or other risk factors, your body just becomes desensitized to this hormone. 
and it's not working properly. And when that happens, you're, you're, you are at increased risk for many, many chronic diseases because your body is not getting energy anymore. The, the glucose cannot get into the cells. The cells are not producing energy and, and many things can go awry at that point. And for individuals, I'm just thinking about um, individuals that lose weight, get really thin, lean and clean, as they say, you know, doing high carb diets, high carb, low fat. Are they not spiking their insulin? Like, how's that working for them? Insulin is spiking. And I have a lot of people who come to me from a vegetarian diet and they were on a vegetarian for years and they were thin. And then all of a sudden they became insulin resistant and started gaining weight. I had someone yesterday that, that, that it was in that same situation. So it's not everybody. It has to do with other risk factors. There's so many other risk factors for insulin resistance. There's genetics, there's pregnancy, there's sleep, there's stress. There's, there's so many other, there's yo-yo dieting. There's so many other risk factors that contribute to insulin resistance. So it's not going to happen to everybody. But as we know, this, the statistics show that about 90% of Americans have what we call poor metabolic health. And I equate poor metabolic health with insulin resistance. Got it. All right. So we were going to uh, focus in, in this uh, interview on how people can ascertain whether or not they're on the insulin metabolic syndrome spectrum and how they can monitor themselves to see what progress they're making through their, their dietary changes or lifestyle right. changes. Right. So you, depending on which, which kind of low carb track that you're, that you're following, there are different ways to, I call self-monitor. Self-monitoring really is a term to track your health behaviors. And we are so lucky, at least in the ketogenic world, even in the low carb world, that we have ways to see if we're doing it right, to to get immediate feedback if we're not doing it right and be able to make changes. So I have a couple examples here of what I use in my practice to track to track some of this information. I mean, we do have metabolic markers that we can go to the doctor, we can go to a lab and get that information. But really, it's important to be able to track more on a daily basis, especially in the beginning of your journey to make sure that you're doing it properly. So for my clients, I say I, we who, who start a ketogenic lifestyle, we have what are called macros. So everybody is set at a level of how many carbohydrates you can eat, how much protein you can eat, and how much fat you can eat. So there's these incredible apps now. There's trackers where you put how, what you eat into the app, and it tells you how many carbs it has, how much protein, and how much fat. So that really helps you stay on track. And as part of my program, it is required that my clients send me at least for the first five weeks Every single day, I want to see their, what I call their macro. So that is sent to me in the evening so I can make the necessary adjustments if I feel like they're getting off track or they're eating too many carbs, depending on what their goal is really at that time. So we, there's so many amazing apps that do that out there, probably, you know, hundreds probably now I have certain ones that I like, I don't have to discuss them here, but there are ones that really give me the best snapshot of what is going on in terms of, of what somebody is eating. The other thing is a scale. And for my clients, it's required that they not only give me the number on the scale 
but I like a more, a, a bigger picture of their body composition. You can get them for pretty cheap, a body composition scale where it not only tells you the weight, but it tells you your percent fat. It tells you your muscle. It tells you your body water. It tells you your visceral fat, which is a number that the, the number that I care most about that fat around the abdominal area is the, is what I care about. And, and my goal is to try to get rid of that fat. I don't, I don't care about fat in other places in the body that because that's not really leading to poor metabolic health. So I need a picture of all these numbers and what's going on because the scale can fluctuate on a daily basis. You could be gaining muscle. You could have eaten out the night before and had more and retaining water because of salt intake. So it's really important not to focus on that number on the scale. I ask my clients for the number and for all this information to make sure that we're moving in the direction we need to move in. But that number on that, that one number that a normal scale gives you does not tell the whole story. The other recommend a scale, sorry, is there a scale that can do all that, that you can recommend? Yeah. Renpo is the one that I recommend that has all that information, but there is Garmin. There's so many out there. If you type in Amazon body composition scale and they're $30, I mean, they're not, they're not um, very expensive for you to get some of that information. Are they a hundred percent accurate? Possibly not, but I look for trends. So I don't really care. I mean, I, I, from my experience, comparing my scale output to my client scale output, I think that they're pretty, um, pretty accurate. They don't have to be exactly accurate, but we look for patterns. We want to see things. We want to see body fat coming down. We want to see visceral fat coming down. If they're doing exercise, I'd like to see muscle coming up or at least maintaining. I don't want to see a ton of muscle loss. Um, you know, when we're when we're trying to lose, goal really is the body fat. So this tells really the whole story. And when I have a client say, oh my God, I didn't lose weight this week. I said, let's look at your body fat. And then they're down a percent body fat. And especially for the ketogenic lifestyle, there's so much what we call body recomposition. Compartments are shifting. Things are changing. Fat compartments are changing. Water is changing. So that that number on the scale isn't going to tell the whole story. And sometimes people can get upset that it's not moving. And that's when I kind of look to those other body components to kind of see the whole picture as to what is going on in the body. Got it. Sorry, carry on. Wonderful. Thank you. So another thing is a tape measure. This is another thing I require of my clients. It's just a simple tape measure. Here's one from Diet Doctor that they gave me that we also have more sophisticated ones. It's actually electronic. So you don't have to sit and try to figure out and then look to see the number. You open it up, you click it in to here, and it actually gives you the number electronically. And this is by Renpo. This actually connects to the same app the scale connects to. So you don't have to transfer any numbers. It goes right into the app automatically. And then you have your waist circumference or if you want to do other measurements of your body too to track. So this is not very expensive either. So waist circumference really tells a lot of the story because as I was saying, it's that visceral fat, the fat that is around our abdominal area that is inside our organs and around our organs. That is what's causing inflammation. That is what's causing insulin resistance. This is, that's the only fat that I personally care about for people. So getting a measure, if someone tells me their waist circumference, I can basically, I know if they're insulin resistant or not. 
And I can t- even say, even if someone says, oh, I've, I'm losing energy or, you know, there's so many symptoms of ins- I'm tired all the time. You know, I'm bloated. Those are all symptoms of insulin resistance. But if there's one measure to figure out if you're insulin resistance, you just need this one, you know, 30 cent um, tape measure. There's also another measure you can use. It's the, it's the waist to height ratio. And that gives you a better sense of insulin resistance. So I think the cutoff is 0.5. So if you're, and there's, there's calculators online. I think omnicalculator.com is one. So you don't have to start doing the math and, and make the unit conversions. And it gives you, if you put in your height and you put in your waist circumference, it'll spit out your waist to height ratio. And that really is a great measure of insulin resistance. So you don't even have to go, it, it, you don't have to go and get blood work done to bit to figure out some of these measures. I mean, that measure is not going to tell me anything different than a blood biomarker is going to tell me if someone's above 0.5, they, they probably most likely have insulin resistance. What about the tape measure? Like say someone measures their waist and they're like, okay, I have a number now, but what, what am I supposed to do with it? Is there some, how do you know, based on this, the, the width or the circumference of your waist that you might be on the spectrum? Right. So there are cutoff points. Like for women, it's your low risk if you're below 32 inches. For men, I think it's 37. So there are numbers. And that's part of our of our metabolic spectrum, metabolic syndrome um, components, right? So waist circumference is one of those. So you'll see that there are some cutoff points. So there are cutoffs for that, as well as a cutoff point for the waist to height ratio in terms of 0.5. If you're under that, you're at low risk. If you're above that, your your risk kind of increases in terms of of having the metabolic syndrome or being insulin resistant. Got it. Thank you. Um, Another thing is the ketone and glucose monitor. So if you are on keto, you know, we test our ketones. Here's an example of one that I use by Keto Mojo. I think it's the most popular one. I require this for my program. I will not work with anybody who is not providing this kind of feedback. That's why I say keto is so amazing. It's the only diet. I don't call it really a diet. It's the only eating regimen or lifestyle that we can monitor to see if we're doing it correctly. And that's what is so amazing. So we can test our ketones, which tells us if our body is using fat for energy. Is it using the fat we're eating? Is it using fat from our own body? And the number really varies as well. It's a number that we we have a range that we want to be in for our ketones. It's about 0.5 to 3. A lot of my clients get obsessed about that number. But once again, just there's so many other factors that can contribute to ketone production or lack of ketone production. So it's something that you have to kind of get to know your body, even You could even have different levels at different times of the day. So some of my clients are higher in the morning. Some of the clients are higher in the afternoon. You can really, you really have to wait a few hours after you've eaten to test ketones. So getting to know your ketone levels, but if you're not producing ketones, then you're probably not eating low enough carbohydrates to be in ketosis. So this is really amazing feedback. I will make adjustments to my clients. I mean, there are a lot of hidden carbs in places that you don't really know. Even some of the sweeteners and the keto foods and the low carb foods, you, you, there, there are, there could be things in there that could be 
throwing you out of ketosis and not allowing your body to get into ketosis. So this really gives me a lot of information. And if I have a client that's repeatedly can't get into ketosis, but it, it looks like everything is good, I'll start kind of looking to see what exact foods are they eating. So I'll have them send me their exact meals. And if I see a, a day full of keto cupcakes and keto chocolate, and a lot of these sweeteners, that's when I can really individualize and personalize at that point, because I wouldn't have had any feedback at that time, I wouldn't even have known what was going on. This also tests glucose. So in terms of even if you're low carb, or you're sugar free, or you're trying to, to, to lower your sugar intake, glucose is a really, really great way to monitor your, your metabolic health pro progress. So a lot of the, the pre-diabetic range, really over a hundred, a lot, most of my clients come to me in that range. And it's really gratifying to see that number come down and it comes down pretty quickly. I mean, if you're lowering your carbohydrate and your sugar intake, right? Glucose responds to carbohydrate intake. So of course it's going to come down if you're not eating as much of that, you know, with keto, it's a little bit, the, the, the um, levels and the ranges are a little bit more strict. I'm pretty strict with ranges I like to see. And even a fasting glucose tells us information, but also a glucose later in the day. Some of us following a low carbohydrate diet sometimes may experience what's called the Don effect, which means that glucose is going to come up in the morning. So it's important for me to monitor if someone has a, 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 a morning fasting glucose of 100 and they freak out then I wait and let's test later in the day and see if that number comes down. So there's a lot of personalization. And I like people to kind of chase glucose. I want that glucose to come down. If they are following a low carbohydrate, sugar free, ketogenic diet, that number has to come down. If it doesn't come down, somebody is not doing the, the, the right thing. This right. is really great to track. I mean, I love this. I couldn't do my job without it. Um, if you want, if you are scared of, of pricking your blood, which you have to do, you know, there are ways to monitor ketones. So you can do a little urine strip. Um, this is really only effective in the beginning of your ketogenic journey, because it is when you're testing ketones in your urine, your, your urine is what you're excreting out of your body, right? So as soon as your body starts to get used to uh, producing ketones and using the ketones, your body is no longer going to excrete the ketones. So though, when people come to me and they say, Oh, I'm not quite ready to prick my finger and test my blood, they can test their urine, but it will only be effective for so long. So eventually, everybody has to transfer over to that blood monitor. And this is invaluable information, you do not have to go to the doctor, you do not have to go to the lab to get this information. And this really will help you really start to track your metabolic health. Then we have something that is more advanced. It is called a continuous glucose monitor. I have one on my arm right now. It lasts about two weeks and you can get your glucose at any time of the day. Um, I suggest that people starting out the journey don't do that because it can make you absolutely nuts. This is not a perfect measure. This is not testing your glucose in your blood. It is gonna, it's testing the glucose in what we call the interstitial fluid. So there's a needle that goes into my arm, but my needle didn't go into a blood vessel. It went into the, 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 um, the fat surrounding your cells. 
right? So that's why we go into the tricep. It's the, one of the most fattiest places um, on our body. So it's going into the fat. I've accidentally gone into muscle before and my readings were, my glucose was 40. I'm like, wait, something's not right. I know my glucose isn't 40. It, it is it is for later in the journey. And I know a lot of people put this in in the beginning and they start freaking out because the glucose is all over the place. You really have to take these readings with a grain of salt. There are a lot of things that affect glucose, lack of sleep, exercise, stress. So you're all, and, and I wear this so I can see how different life events are affecting my glucose. I pretty much know my glucose. I've been doing this for a very long time. I know what to expect. I put it on when I went to LA a, a month ago and it was just a super stressful time there for me running around doing whatever I needed to do. And my glucose was above a hundred for the entire weekend. So you have to really be careful with the readings when you have when you have access. So all you have to do is pick up your phone and you hold it on the back of the monitor and you will have your glucose. So it, it can become an obsession. Um, so you really, really have to be careful with these, but it does give really great information um, as you kind of advance more, more on this journey. Mm. So let's see. I also want to talk about tracking other lifestyle behaviors. So when I say ketogenic lifestyle or metabolic health lifestyle, I'm not only referring to what comes into our mouth. There are other components of optimal metabolic health that are really, really important. So you could be working so hard and getting your sugar down and getting your carbohydrates down, but you're stressed all the time. You're not sleeping and you're not exercising. So we have really great trackers now to track sleep and exercise. I wear something called an aura ring because I don't like anything. I don't like a watch on me when I sleep. This tracks my sleep. This tracks my activity. It's a little bit more expensive. There are Fitbits. This is my daughter's Fitbit. It's, you can get that for under $100. A lot of people have Apple watches. So that's another way to get all this information. This is all self-monitoring. Even me as an expert in this lifestyle, I am pretty, um, I listen to my exercise and my sleep. So in the morning, this tells me how I slept. If it showed that I had an elevated heart rate, then maybe something's going on. If, it, if I didn't get my steps that I achieved yesterday, I'm going to work harder today to get it. So I do, because it's easy to say, oh, you know, I'm fine. I, I, I walked around the block today, but it really um, helps you achieve these other lifestyle behavior goals as well. And to see that you had three really bad days of sleep, you know, maybe you'll change your routine a little bit if you're not sleeping well. I talked about this in my office hours with my clients last week. You know, what can you do at night to kind of help you sleep, right? We talked about no iPad or no phone you know, dimming the lights, coming into your room, turning on some music. So this really gives you immediate feedback to change those lifestyle behaviors. And I, all my clients don't have them. If, if I could send them all this aura ring, which, you know, it's like $300. So, you know, it's not, it's not realistic, but in a perfect world, I would have all of my clients with some kind of tracker because you can be working so hard on your diet and if you're stressed all the time and you're not sleeping and you're not moving, it's going to be really hard to get to those metabolic health goals. Mm. 
So these are so many ways that you can track your progress at home. Uh, you know, it's not that expensive. The Keto Mojo, you know, it's, they're they're about a hundred dollars. So it does it does add up, but it's not going to be the price of a metabolic blood panel um, if you need to do that, and it's not paid for insurance. And these can be done daily. I don't have my clients in the beginning. I like to know ketone levels, um, and but but as we progress with this lifestyle, I only ask for a weight or body composition measure once a week, right? Because it can fluctuate so much from day to day. So as you progress in this lifestyle, it doesn't have to be so strict, but you have all these ways. And I still use these to monitor my progress. You know, I live a ketogenic lifestyle. I would say that lately I've become a little bit more paleo, meaning that I allow myself some of the root vegetables. So I like to see how my body's changing now that I am changing my ketogenic journey as well, and how my body responds and whether I like that response, or I don't like that response. Low carb and keto is a, an ever evolving lifestyle behavior change. And you're not always going to do the exact same thing in the beginning when you're trying to get fat adapted. Yeah, you're going to have to track, you're going to have to be super strict. But once you achieve that fat adaptation, and you're getting really metabolically healthy, you don't always have to track, but you can't give it up. You have to continue to self-monitor. I've had clients who were super successful, stopped weighing, stopped tracking. And all of a sudden, three months later, they come back to me. They're like, I gained 10 pounds. If you were weighing once a week and using that body composition scale, you would have caught that a lot sooner than the 10 pounds. And you would have made the adjustments, whether it's doing a longer fast. I mean, there's certain ways to help you get on track. But if you are not self-monitoring on this lifestyle, it's very easy to push it aside. And, and if you're not seeing these numbers and you're not getting the feedback. Amazing. So empowering. Um, I know you said you weren't going to mention trackers. Um, there's so many out there. When people look at all their options, they go, oh, my gosh, what they want is something really easy to use. Do you have a few recommendations? So Card Manager is what I use. Um, Chronometer has really um, upgraded their app. I'm I'm gravitating towards that only because they now allow the integration of all the other things. So Chronometer will integrate with Keto Mojo. So one, if you use Keto Mojo and you've integrated it with your app, it imports that information. It's right there. Mm. It also integrates my Aura Ring. Wow. So it really is. I mean, technology has really, really helped, right? It will also integrate a scale. There's so many things that, that you can now integrate. So you're not using 10 different apps and, and everything is kind of there and you can monitor your progress a little bit better. So Carb manager in terms of meal tracking, I think is the easiest. If you want to be able to integrate all these other self-monitoring behaviors, something like chronometer, I don't, I'm sure there's other ones out there, but but something like that, where if you're a if you're a techie and you want to have every import everything in there, those are the two that I recommend. Thank you. So helpful. Do you have any final words of wisdom about what you know what people can do to sort of encourage themselves? as well as track progress and to get data that allows them to feel like they can experiment and not guess at whether something's working. 
Right. I would say don't get hung up on the numbers. Use the numbers as a learning process to see where you need to make the changes. And I and I tell my clients all the time, let me worry about the number on the scale and the ketone number. If I have an issue with it, I will let you know. But I have so many people. I mean, ketone, ketones become come down as you progress with this lifestyle. So in the beginning, you might have ketones over two. But in a couple of months, they might come down as your body gets used to using the ketones. It's only going to create them upon demand. So not getting hung up on these numbers, but using them as a tool. It's part of your toolbox to getting healthy. And the more you have, the more so if you only have ketone numbers and those aren't where you want to be, then you're going to get upset and you're, you know, you may, you might fall off the wagon and be upset with yourself. But what if your waist circumference came down? What if your body fat came down by a percent? All the numbers aren't always going to be perfect and exactly what you expect. And you have all these amazing tools, you know, waist circumference being the cheapest and my favorite. That is really telling you if you're getting to your goals. All these other fancy things are great and they're really nice to have, but using the different ones to track your progress. So you might see a a reduction in your waist circumference, which means you're getting metabolically healthy, but you might not have the ketone numbers you want or your glucose at that point in time might be a little higher than you like. So really taking advantage of all these self-monitoring tools and use them as part of the experience, but not getting hung up on an exact number at an exact point in time. Use them to look at trends Some are going to change, some might not change, but getting familiar with these self-monitoring tools so it can help progress you and keep you motivated. That's what's so, so important with making a huge behavioral lifestyle change is keeping the motivation. Mm, Brilliant. Thank you so much for your expertise, all your work in this area and for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in this week. If you would like more interviews, more information, and more inspiration on how to break up with sugar, go to my YouTube channel, Kick Sugar Coach, or my website, kicksugarcoach.com. See you next week.